This is Sarah Holtz, and um, I'm here with uh, Jane Sumner, who is our Volunteer of the Month um, for the month of February. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. And um, I have a few questions for you. I know that you've been uh, reading at WRBH for many, many years. How long have you been reading with us? We moved down here in 1988, and I hadn't been here more than about two weeks, and I heard a call for volunteers. So I thought, oh, uh, see, you know, I'm appropriate. So I came and did the audition, and they decided that I could read reasonably fluently, and my voice was reasonably euphonious, and so I've been doing it ever since. Wow. What were your first impressions of the radio station? Oh, I really enjoyed it, and it's partly initially because people were so nice. You know, the permanent staff are always friendly, they're always welcoming, and they seem to be very appreciative. And so that meant a great deal, especially as a stranger. But the other thing over time is I seem to have read everything. And, of course, that, <laughs> that's very interesting. I've enjoyed that tremendously, too. What are some of your favorite things to read on air? Uh, I think um, I love doing the Wall Street Journal. We don't get that newspaper. And um, there, was, there tend to be very thoughtful articles, so I enjoy that. Um, I enjoy books. And I've read bits and pieces of a number of books over the years. I've done romance novels. I've mm -hmm. done the classics, done Naughty at Night. Um, <laughs> so that I'm pretty eclectic. I've only got two I won't do, and they don't do them now. One is read the advertisements, okay. which I hated. How do you keep excited for an hour on ads and the TV listings? Oh, I've heard horror stories yes. about the TV listings. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're not doing that yes. anymore. Mm. Well, great. And um, you're from New Zealand originally? Yes. Where exactly are you from? Well, I grew up in Wellington, which is at the bottom of the North Island, and it's the capital of the country. And um, I went to school there, and I did my nursing training in actually the Hutt Hospital School of Nursing a long, long time ago where my husband later came, and the rest is history. Oh, wow. He, so when did you both leave Wellington then? We moved to London in 1968. He, um, when I met him, I knew that he was going to go to London to do his neurology training. So um, we were married for two years before we moved to London and haven't been back to live since 1968. Really? And then from London, was it straight to, straight to New Orleans? No. There? No, no. He was recruited to um, San Francisco. Okay. And it was just before we moved east that I got my um, registered nurse license to practice. And so when we went to Philadelphia, I began working as a visiting nurse and then as a hospice visiting nurse. And he was recruited to the chair of neurology at LSU down here. Mm. So I came and after a few hesitations... Um, whatever you like to call them. <laughs> I joined the faculty of the School of Nursing at LSU, and I've been there since 1993. I'm a professor emerita. Wow, that's amazing. And um, what courses did you teach during your tenure? Um, well, I've taught more or less everything except ICU. Nobody in the right mind would <laughs> <Maybe> do <laughs> that. Um, I started with teaching Foundations of Nursing, the first clinical course, and I did that for eight years. It's a very demanding course because obviously the students don't know anything about nursing really. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but my specialty is public health, community health nursing. And so when I started teaching graduate students, that was the specialty I teach. But um, I've taught in nursing education. I developed a theory of caring and nursing in my doctoral work. And so I te I've been teaching in the theory and philosophy course, doctoral ethics course, you name it. I seem to have done pretty well everything, with the exception that I told you. That's amazing. And uh, moving around so much, do you have one place that you've lived that sticks out in your mind or you'd love to go back or anything like that? Oh, that's a good question, actually, Sarah. And I'm going to sort of preface it by saying that it's very important that wherever you are, you don't look backward. You make the new place home. And so we've lived in San Francisco, which I loved. We lived in Philadelphia, which I loved. We've lived in Paris, which I've loved, as well as the three and a half years in London and now here. So that each place is home. Mm -hmm. And we love going back to all of those places. Well, that's great. I love that idea of not looking back and only looking forward. Mm. And um, I hear you travel a lot, too, so that might satisfy some wanderlust as well. Well, I think that that's true. My husband and I are both academics, and the one thing about academia is that if you're good, you get to present your work all over the world. And so over time, it was mainly my husband, and we'd build in a week or so before or after the conference to travel wherever the conference was, if it was in Italy or Germany, you know, wherever it was. And in latterly, he's been coming to my co international conferences. Ah. But um, we've, that's not the only international travel. We're not long back from India. Oh, wow. And um, last year, we actually did five international trips last year, um, including Iran in September. Oh, my. What was that like? Extraordinary. It's a fascinating country. Was that for a conference? No. We did a tour, nearly three weeks, and um, really visited a great number of different places. And um, because of its history, you know, Persia, uh, it's, it's remarkable how much of that history is still extant. Mm -hmm. And um, we were fascinated. You know, I know that the country gets a lot of bad press in this country, but it's far more than the bad press. The, the Iranians themselves were very friendly, mm -hmm. couldn't have been nicer. Children all wanted to, because of course we don't look like them, um, um, they all wanted to sort of try and communicate. They couldn't say much more than hello and goodbye. But mm -hmm. the, and, and, you know, the parents would encourage them. And the Iranians, it turns out, love picnics. So that if we were in a place where we were having a picnic, which happened several times too, inevitably the children would come over. Really? Yeah. They wow. would seek us out. Mm -hmm. So that, that was a remarkable trip. And um, the other trip of considerable note, and we had a number, was we went home to New Zealand with all 10 of our family. Okay. For our 50th wedding anniversary. Nice. And I'd found a list of wedding guests my mother had made. So we invited everybody on the list who wasn't dead. <laughs> we, had, <laughs> we had a jolly good party, as you might imagine. Uh-huh. Mm. Did you do anything back in New Zealand that, any new experiences that you hadn't had before? Well, in fact, the children asked 
you know, our son and daughter and their respective, you know, wives, what have you, they had never really been to Wellington. We've taken them all out a number of times, and um, that's the one place we hadn't been. So we decided that we'd go and spend time, and there were two memorable things. There's the National Museum in New Zealand's called Te Papa, Mm -hmm. and my husband had great pleasure because his ancestors have a, a section in Te Papa. And so he took the family, and of course for the grandchildren, you know, this this is their family yeah. to see. And so that was very special for them. And I took um, the girls plus my daughter and her partner and daughter-in-law to my old school and to go back to Queen Margaret College and be greeted by the headmistress and see all of those things. It was really very special. And my, my daughter-in-law from Vermont is would very much like her elder daughter to spend some time at school. And she'd be in my house, Berwick. So it gets, you know, handed down from generation to generation. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm. I like that idea. And um, in the spirit of looking forward, do you have any other places that are on your travel bucket list? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah? What are some of them? Well, at the end of March, um, we're, we're actually joining very dear old friends to go to Costa Rica and Panama. And then in July, we fly to London um, and we all pick up a ship to sail the Baltic and go to the old USSR countries, plus sailing down the Neva River to St. Petersburg. So um, we've been to Scandinavia, but not the other countries. And so that's very exciting. And um, I've got a few thoughts about what I'd like to do before the year is out. Um, and we've got a number of um, sort of travel brochure things of travel companies mm-hmm. sitting at home to plan for next year. But we haven't really seriously dis- you know, discussed that yet. Yeah, well, it sounds like a lot of exciting plans, though. That's amazing. Well, our feeling, actually, Sarah, is that now we're more or less retired, not quite, but more or less, that as long as we're physically fairly active, and, um, excuse me, money sort of holds up a bit, we may as well go and see all the places that we haven't been to. Um, and the one thing about being New Zealanders, I think, it's a small country at the bottom of the world, a long way away from anywhere. So if you want to do anything different, you get on a plane and, and you have to go. And so, you know, that habit of being a peripatetic soul was sort of inculcated really quite early. And my father, um, I don't know why, but he was very interested in flying. He wasn't a pilot. He was an engineer. Anyway, he I remember my first flight when I was about six years old. Really? Mm. And it was pretty bumpy in those days because, of course, it wasn't the jet engine flying way up high. And with New Zealand being mountainous and surrounded by water, you tended to have big bumps up and down. And um, the only time I've actually ever flown sideways was across the Cook Strait between the North and the South Islands. Oh, my. In a storm. And oh, we what was that like? Horrific. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it wasn't completely because the door to the flight deck was open and we could see the, the, the two crew, pilot and co-pilot, and they were just chatting away. And laughing and, and flying the plane sideways. And I thought, well, until they get in a tizzy, I'm not going to get in a tizzy. 
That's crazy. So we got to our destination effortlessly. Or not, well, bumping, but, you know, we, we landed safely. Wow. That's actually a really good segue to my next question, because obviously you're a very adventurous person. Do you have any phobias? Do you have any fears? Um, well, it's an interesting question. I've never really thought about that. I suppose I don't really have any. Um, I don't think I've got any phobias. Probably if you ask my family, they might say, oh, mom. <laughs> but... Um, I don't, people sometimes wonder about flying and um, probably partly because I started so young, but also the one thing when I was very busy as full-time faculty, it was the, an airplane was the one place nobody could get at me. Hmm. And so I'd get on board. I wouldn't talk, even if it was my husband sitting next to me, I wouldn't talk to anybody. I usually have worked whether it's, you know, editing student papers, which I've downloaded into my laptop, or when I was doing my doctoral work, you know, reading the, the German scholar I used. So I like flying. I really do like flying because nobody can get to me. Mm -hmm. Give me a big, fat, juicy book, and I'm as happy as Sandboy. Oh, well, that's lovely, yeah. It's, it seems like you don't let fear run your life. Well, part. there isn't, you know, that's crippling. Mm -hmm. And having had two car accidents, one of which mm -hmm. led to 12-hour surgery, uh, and I actually am frightened of falling flat on my face because I knock my teeth out. Oh, you know, oh, and I, that's happened. Well, not literally chipping my teeth anyway. Uh, um, that's my only fear, uh, fear of fall, um, tripping and falling. Okay. Um, but... You know, you can either be miserable at home and an invalid. And I decided I wasn't going to do that after that big surgery. I decided, like Lazarus, to roll up my pallet, stand up and get on with life. And that's my philosophy. Oh, good. Wow, yeah. Shows a lot of resiliency. Well, partly probably it's being a nurse. Nurses have yeah. to be resilient. That too. It's a very demanding profession. And very pragmatic. Um, yes, it is. Uh, but it's not to say that it doesn't take a toll on the individual. And so the, it's you have to be have that sort of inner core of, of resilience, I think. I've actually been at UMC Hospital talking to some of the nurses about my work this morning. And we were sort of sharing the fact that nursing takes everything out of you. Would I do it again? Yep, I'd do it again. Mm. I graduated in 1964. Oh, my. So, you know, I've been around the block a few times, and um, I would do it again. It's a very satisfying and rewarding profession. There's no question about it. And you learn so much. And it's not just the formal learning. It's learning from your patients, what they share with you. Mm -hmm. And... Um, in some ways, I think it's very humbling when you see what some people have to deal with, with with whatever it is that they've got, and yet they don't gr they don't grumble, and they, like Lazarus, get up and get on with their lives. And you have to admire that, whether it's the permanent tracheostomy from the smoker and all of those sorts of things, or the permanent colostomy or an amputation. It doesn't matter. 
it, it, these are body blows that take a lot of recovery. And I admire people that get up and get on with their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, I have two more questions, and they're kind of more general, broad-stroke mm-hmm. life questions. Um, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. And it can be anything. Any piece of advice that you've heard and then have the desire to pass on to somebody else. Can I think about that one? Ask me of the course. second question. Yeah, no, I'll... absolutely. I know it's kind of a putting you on the spot question. Um, and then, yeah, my last one is, uh, in your opinion, what makes for a good story? Oh, strong p- plot line okay. and well-developed characters. Whether it's a movie or a book, or um, that's what I look for. And actually, in terms of a book, is it well written? Uh, does the plot flow well? Is the vocabulary good? And um, I actually, when I read, I read at sort of two levels. One is, you know, is this grammatically correct? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and whether it's a good, tight story. But to get back to your other, um, yes, I've thought of something my father, who I've got a great deal of admiration for, he's, you know, basically said, my word is my honor. In other words, honesty and that if you, you know, you shake hands on a deal, that's it. You have to be completely honest. And, um, I value my own integrity, and nurses who know me know that. Mm -hmm. They really don't impugn my integrity. Thank you very much. So I think that that was probably something I've always lived with, that, you know, my word is my bond. And um, my students knew. They knew I was tough, but they knew I was also very fair. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where I could help them, I would. And they could trust me. And patients need to trust their nurses. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing that with me. And thank you uh, for talking with me today. And um, congratulations on being volunteer of the month. Unanimously voted on by the staff, by the way. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Thank you, Jane. (laughs) My pleasure, Sarah. And it was a pleasure to meet you, too. You, too. Thanks for your service to the station, really. Oh, well, it's been fun. All right. Even the BBC of the South. (laughs) Yeah, well.